0: Good morning church. Good morning. It is great to be here this morning i don 't know if we got Stacy to cry or not that was that was my whole goal with that video is if I could get her to cry um, and i don 't know if I was successful i 'm going to find out later on it's kind of uh, kind of interesting i didn 't realize that Charlie would be doing the communion. I did realize that Chuck was going to be doing the uh, the family news part and now i 'm preaching and and technically i 'm a Chisholm so A few years ago, Chuck and I, uh, Chuck, Debbie, and Aaron and I went on a cruise together. And while we were on the cruise, we were joining a lot of the different activities or competitions. You know, we're very competitive. And we go up and and we see on there, hey, there's a volleyball competition, um, you know, up on the Lido deck. Let's see if we can make it. So Chuck and I are running to get up there. I get up there just before him and the the girl's there. She's organizing the cruise. And I, I say, I'd like to play volleyball and I like to be part of the competition and she looks at me and then she kind of looks at Chuck behind me and she said is your dad playing too? (laughs) and so I, I, without a beat I just kind of looked back and I said yeah dad's playing too. (laughs) So I'm not technically Charles Murray Chisholm, I guess I'd be the fourth because Chaz is the third so Chuck is second and Pop is first but I'm kind of like Charles Murray Chisholm IV, maybe. I I don't know. We'll see. But it's good to be here this morning. It is good to, uh, just as Charlie was sharing, just to be able to gather together and be together, um, really just freely, to come here and to worship, to open God's Word, um, to, to hopefully pull away something that can apply to our lives in such a way that we're willing to take that message with us as we leave and to take that message and share it. Uh, this morning, I've got a few just quick announcements. You know, I, I had to have some announcements this morning since I didn't get to do my announcements this morning that I usually get to do. There are about 30 guys who are not here this morning. They're on the men's retreat, and that's where Patterson is. Uh, we had a, I actually drove back up late last night. We had a great retreat this weekend, and so they're worshiping up at Taylor Christian Camp. And so I wanted to let you guys know about that. Next week, uh, Patterson's going to be starting a series, and that series is called What's in Your Hand? Uh, He's going to be doing that through the fall, talking about how God has given us each a gift that we can use for His glory, and so that's going to be starting next week. This morning as I was rushing around trying to get everything together and thinking about my sermon and still trying to catch up on sleep from the retreat, uh, the phone rang in Cheryl's front office there, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I really don't want to answer this phone. You know, it's just ringing, I'm busy, I've got a hundred things to do. And I sit there and I thought, I need to answer the phone. Well, I picked it up and it was a uh, lady named De- Debbie Harden. And some of you guys may know Debbie. She said that she was a member here in the mid-90s or so, somewhere around there. She is now at the Waverly Church of Christ. And that area very specifically is dealing with some of the, the, the difficulty from the flood. And so if you can help, if you would like to go help in Waverly, please let me know. Specifically, they're needing couples to come down and spend a night at the church and basically to chaperone the building because they have a lot of people who have lost their homes and they're living at the church right now. And uh, she, she was exhausted this morning as she talked to me. And so if that's something you'd be interested in to go down and maybe spend a night or two uh, down in Waverly and you have the flexibility to do that... Let me know, and I've got her contact information, and we can uh, hopefully make that happen. Let's take just a moment and, and pray uh, about that situation before we jump into this morning's message. Uh, Father, we are, are so blessed. And Father, sometimes our lives, although they're, they're moving in a direction, um, sometimes that direction gets, um, gets changed. Sometimes there's a hard fork in the road. And Father, the people of Waverly and... And in that area of Tennessee, Father, they are feeling that right now as a result of the floods that have come through. Father, I pray that through this situation, uh, your uh, your name can be lifted up, that others may come into a relationship with you. Father, be with Debbie and others who are working and serving there in Waverly. Father, as these souls enter their building, Father, I pray you would open up opportunities to share the gospel uh, with those who are there and in their midst. Uh, Father, Again, continue to be with that situation. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be spending uh, our morning, the majority of it. Philippians 3 and John chapter 4, if you want to throw a a bookmark over there as well. If you know me well, you know that I love a good deal. I am all about finding a good deal. Uh, Recently, I came across this story of of a store on the island of Nantucket. Now I, I've never been to Na- Nantucket before. I really don't much know much about it, but I read about it a little bit. Um, and I want to read some of this to you guys, and then uh, you'll see how it all ties in to Philippians 3 here in just a moment. For a small island, Nantucket has a large number of historical attractions and cultural institutions. There are many must-sees for visitors who go to Nantucket. It's a long list. There's a whaling museum, a shipwreck and life-saving museum, Um, an African meeting house, the Maria Mitchell Planetarium, um, Great Point, uh, tons of lighthouses, Nantucket's festivals, restaurants, fine arts are known all over the world, along with Nantucket's sailing, the natural beauty of the island, its architecture, its golf courses, but little known to the casual visitor, the locals know about this small store that is tucked away near the junkyard and it's called Take It or Leave It. You can kind of see the little store right there behind. Take It or Leave It is this gray shingled building. It's in a fenced area out by the city dump. You can take old things that you have and you can leave them there. And then you can also get things that are there and take them with you. And it's all free. And apparently there's a lady there that monitors that and, and kind of makes sure things don't get out of control. Uh, but but there are, there, there's clothes, there's clothes from Walmart, there's clothes from The Gap. I mean, there's clothes, just, just tables of clothes. There are books. Um, what's interesting is I read about it, you will you will also see in the parking lot, you'll see BMWs, you'll see Cadillacs, and you'll see rusty old trucks. It's kind of a place where anybody can, can go. And they can take their stuff, they can leave it, and then maybe find something that it You know, it's the one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of idea. And so you can take things or you can leave things. And I started thinking about that. And and to me, it sounds a lot like church in a way. Follow along with me, okay? So let's look at Philippians chapter 3. It's going to make sense here in just a minute. Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to start uh, about halfway through verse 4. If someone else thinks they have... Any reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now this is Paul. Uh, Paul's writing this. He's talking to the church here at Philippi. He says, circumcised on the eighth day uh, of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin. Uh, Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church. Some of you guys may remember in Acts chapter 8 when he was there for the stoning of Stephen. Uh, for righteousness based on, based on the law, faultless. He followed the law to a T. But whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, garbage or rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know His power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow, somehow, attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. Paul. Paul really is kind of an interesting character when you think about it. Here you have a guy who really was kind of on, on top of the world in Jewish culture. I mean, we, we just read some of his, his accolades there. And then he has this, this, this experience on the road to Damascus, this life-changing experience. And then all of a sudden, his, his world has just turned upside down. It's completely changed. Um, a few years ago, well, one year ago, almost to the day, um, I hit my official midlife crisis. And I bought a Jeep. And, and so I, 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 there, there's this culture with Jeeps. There's like a Jeep culture. You know, there's like the wave. You have to, it's just, there's, when you see another person in a Jeep, you do that. Sometimes I'm driving my truck and, and I forget I'm driving my truck and I'm like, and Jeep people look at me like, what are you doing? Uh, but there's this culture about it with, with the Jeep Wave. Um, when Chuck got his Jeep, uh, Anna, I know she coached him up on the Jeep Wave. It's, it's like, and, and I, I think Chuck told me when he, the first time he saw another Jeep, he got so excited he was like, <laughs> and, and, and they, they were over there, like, you know, doing this thing. But there's kind of this, so, so I'm always looking at other Jeeps, and I saw this one the other day when I was driving down the road. It says, no problem. But if you flip it upside down, problem. I think, I think this is what happened to Paul. I think he came into contact with the risen Lord, and he went from man. I am cruising in life. I am in my jeep. Man, I, I, I'm crossing my T's and dotting my eyes. I, I am. He said. He said right there. He said, um, as for righteousness based. Based on the law, verse 6 there, faultless. Man, he was just cruising. And then all of a sudden he comes into contact with the risen Lord. And then his Jeep just got flipped. Now he's got a problem. What do I do with this? And, and I think we all kind of get there. But, but he says this in chapter 7. He says, but wherever, wherever were gains to me, I now consider loss. I'm going to leave it. I consider it loss. Not even more than that, um, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, is my Lord. I consider them garbage, or rubbish, uh, or I keep saying rubbish, rubbish or refuse. I consider these things to be nothing. And then later on in verse 13, he says, "Not only do I consider them loss, I consider them garbage, but forgetting what is behind. So not not only am I going to consider it all these things, I'm going to totally forget it. I am going to totally take this past that I poured my life into for so many years, I am going to completely forget it, and now Christ is the center of my life. A 180 degree transformation. Christ is now the center. I don't know if you guys have ever lost anything that you just really, really wanted to, like, man, if I could just find that. Um, th- there have definitely been times in my life where I've, I've felt like what it means to, to lose. Uh, more recently, um, we had a, a foster child a few years ago. Uh, it's been, what, man, 10 years ago now. But we, uh, one of our foster children, Jordan, some of you guys may have remembered uh, when we had Jordan. We had Jocelyn, Jordan, and Angel, a sibling group of three. But Jordan went missing. And, and when you lose something, man, you, you go after it. You are, you are trying to find it. And especially when it's, it's someone, that, someone or something that is so dear and special to you. And what I see here is that Paul, he lost all these things. He's decided to forget it. And now it's like he is chasing after this new thing. It's, like, it's almost like it's lost to him. Um, one, of, one of my favorite verses comes from Jeremiah 29, uh, where you know, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then a few verses later, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It doesn't say that, that if you come and you sit in the pew on Sunday morning and you attend church... And, you know, occasionally you put a few dollars in the plate that you'll find me. That, that is not all your heart. That, at church attendance is not all your heart. I think this is just some foundational time that we have together. Our hearts are what we do with the rest of our time when we leave this place. What do we do? How do we, how do we take, that, take that with us? we have to realize that, that all those things that were once valuable to us are no longer valuable anymore. And so Paul, Paul says, I'm leaving it. I'm, I'm getting rid of all these other things. And here's what I've found. And Paul, Paul gives some emphasis to this. He says, he says, I leave all of that and I leave it for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Verse 8. That's so much more valuable than the things that I had before. And and when he's doing this, it's it's who he is. He has completely taken off one identity and put on a whole new identity into who he is. Verse 9, he says, And being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That's a huge statement from Paul but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. A man who is so entrenched in law and checking off boxes is now saying it's all about faith. It's all about realizing who Christ is. Turn over to John chapter 4. I think this is another interesting story of of someone whose life kind of got turned upside down. Jesus, he's traveling from Judea to Galilee, and it says that he had to go through this town called Samaria. Um, If he had had the time, I think if you, you read about this in history, if he had the time, he probably would have gone around it, or at least a lot of Jews would have gone around that area because of the culture that was there, because it was not... Um, it was not a sanctified area, it was not a clean area, but he's going through Judea, and he runs into this lady who is, who is there at a well, and she's getting water at noon, at the hottest time of the day, because that was the time when most people wouldn't be there. And it was because she had a pass, had a pass about her. And so verse 4, chapter 4, Now he had to go to Samaria, and he came to a town, a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot, plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph Joseph's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to drink water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Uh, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water verse 11 sir the woman the woman said you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where will you get this living water verse 13 everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water i give them will never thirst indeed the water i give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life the woman said sir give me this water so that i will not so i won't get thirsty <clears throat> and have and excuse me, I'm losing my voice from the retreat. I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, now this, this is this Damascus moment for this for this lady. He told her, go call your husband and tell him to come back. And uh, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you are you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. <laughs> Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain but you Jews claim that, that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans will worship what you do not You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers of the Father in the Spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And then the woman said, I know this Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then... Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And at that moment, this Samaritan woman, her, her jeep got flipped. And all of a sudden, at this point in her life, she is now coming into contact with Jesus. Now there, there's some there's some more backstory there about the disciples they come back and they spend some time with Jesus. And then down in verse 39, you kind of see what happens once this lady comes into contact with Jesus. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him. To stay with him. And they stayed two days. And because of, it, because of his, many, his words, many became believers. So, so we have to leave things. We have to then find something. And then we have to take it. And that, that's what happened. The Samaritan woman took the message. Something had changed in her. Like, her her life was completely different. And so she couldn't help but take that message and share it with someone else. And so she went out and she took it. The Samaritan woman and Paul, okay, think about that dichotomy there. You've got the Samaritan woman, five husbands, um, culturally not not worth much in society um, at, at that given time. And then you have Paul, Jew of the Jews. And because of the blood of Christ, the Samaritan woman and Paul are equal. Right. We, we all come here. We all drive different cars. We all live in different places. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different levels of education. But when we come here and we accept the free gift of Jesus, we're the same. Every single one of us. None of us can look down on anybody else. Because when we walk through those doors and when we leave here, we bear the mark of Christ. Christ is the one who rules all over our lives. Romans chapter uh, 12, Paul says, uh, and almost every time I preach, I, I share this verse, I feel like, but it, it's, it's so central to my thinking about how God interacts with us. But it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And, and when I hear that, I think, don't, don't base your value on all those things I just mentioned. That's not what our value is based on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It, it, is, it is us getting to know Christ um, and understanding who He is and, and taking that and moving that from our heads to our hearts and then from, from our hearts to our lives and the way we interact with one another. Um, Do not conform any longer, Pastor, be transformed. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right. Now Paul... Paul had this amazing transformation. The Samaritan woman had this amazing transformation. And so this morning as as we think about that, I want you to, to think about this concept of passive growth versus proactive growth. Are you... Are you trying to passively grow in your faith, meaning you, you kind of just go through the motions? You you do what needs to be done, you know, to look like a Christian. Um, maybe you carry your Bible. Maybe you come to church. You know, um, maybe you, you mention that you go to church to someone, and and you're just you're you're like, hey, I'm I'm growing. Think about that a little bit. Are you you really growing? Or proactive growth? Like like actually asking yourself, man, what can I do to grow in my faith? What can I do to take one step closer to Jesus? Because what I fear is that a lot of churches, we kind of, we're like, yeah, Jesus is there, we're good. And, and, and maybe, maybe we kind of move like this throughout our lives, but we're not taking that step. We're not, we're not moving more into that direction. I think a big reason that happens, I, 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 know, I know for me, one of my challenges has, has been in life is that I don't feel worthy of the gospel. Really struggle with that. It's, it's a constant struggle. I, I'm like... I kind of want to be like Paul, I, I, uh, Paul before Christ. I, I want to list. Just let me check it off. Just, just, just let, let, me, let me get it all done. You know, I, I want to earn my salvation. I want to work at it. Thinking about this, this store, take it or leave it, I think about us as a church and I think about us as individuals. All of us need to to go to this place, spend time in the Word, go there with maybe the things we need to forget, the things we need to lose, the things we need to leave behind, accept what Jesus has done, leave it there, pick up what Jesus offers in the gospel and then take it to the world. That's what God has called us to do. Plain and simple. The most difficult part of that whole process is doing that alone. It really is difficult. Um, When I I think about my life and, and people who have been part of my life, had I been by myself, had I not had love and support, It has been very difficult to make some of the decisions that that I've made. In just a moment, we're going to have a time to to come forward to to pray with our elders up here. Um, Or you may choose. There may be somebody else here in in this room that you respect, that is is a spiritual mentor to you or that you lean into. Go to them and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Because a lot of times what we need to lose is some of the sin in our life and we need to to lose some of that pride that we have in our life and we need to lay some things aside and say, all right, my life has been flipped. It's been changed and I'm ready to move in a new direction. I'm going to go ahead and ask the elders if you guys would go ahead and come on up. Um, If you have something that, that you want to pray with about, with these men this morning, I would encourage you to do so. Um, it, It really is a blessing that we can come here together, just as we mentioned at the beginning of this service. It's a blessing to be here together this morning, to have an opportunity as together we stand.